So, I'm going to read to us from John's Gospel. It's a different passage to the one we heard earlier. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas, which when translated is Peter. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it does not return to you void, but achieves that for which you purpose it. We thank you that what you have begun in us, you're going to bring to completion. And we thank you that your word is truth, and the truth sets us free. So we pray today that you would set us free by the truth of your word. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about home. And first of all, I want to start you off with a question. Where is home? Just think for a minute. Where is home? And when you've got an answer, you might either whisper it to yourself or turn to somebody next to you and say where it is. You'll come back to that later on. John, the gospel writer, is a brilliant storyteller. And he tells stories in a way that communicate both what was happening at the time, but also it speaks into so much more. So what I want us to do is I want us to think about this short interaction between Jesus and Andrew and to think about it from four different perspectives. So the first perspective we're going to think about it from is Andrew's perspective. So Andrew is a disciple of John the Baptist. Um, We know from what else it says in the passage that it's it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. He's been told by John the Baptist, go follow Jesus. So this guy is following another guy. um, And Jesus turns to him and says, what do you want? Big question. And his answer is, where are you staying? Now, 
That's very practical because it's four o'clock in the afternoon and he wants to know whether this rabbi he's following can cook dinner because that's going to be soon and where he's going to be sleeping that night. But it's a question that has a deeper meaning. Three years later, Andrew will find himself sharing a meal with Jesus and Jesus will be saying to him, remain in me as I remain in you. And the word used for where are you staying is the same word that Jesus uses later on when he says, remain in me. It's just that in English, we translate it differently. So when Andrew says, where are you staying? He's thinking about that evening, but actually it's a question that will remain with him. It will stay with him for years to come as he finds a deeper staying in Jesus. And then it will affect him and his whole sense of life and home and where he is staying. Legend has it from the early church that 30 years later, Andrew was crucified in the form of the St. Andrew's cross. He wouldn't let himself be crucified in the same form of, as Jesus. He was crucified in Constantinople in Turkey, miles away from his home. So in this interaction, where are you staying Andrew's asking a question that has a very practical implication for that night and what it will mean for him. But he asks a question that opens up a door to a whole life that is completely different and a completely different understanding of what it means for him to have a home and where that is. The second perspective I want us to think about this from is Jesus' perspective. When Andrew asked that question, where are you staying? What's going on in Jesus' mind? Well, I'm not going to pretend to let you know everything that's going on in Jesus' mind. That is far beyond me. But what we can see in the text is that John tells us very deliberately at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning, the word was with God. The word Jesus was with God. So Jesus, the word made flesh, who has made his dwelling amongst us, that's what it says in verse 14 of chapter 1. He is literally, as, as, as Eugene Peterson translates it, has moved into the neighborhood. God is here. He has left his home in heaven where he has been with God since the beginning and has made his home here in earth. Okay, So on this side of the conversation, when Andrew says, where are you staying? In essence, where is your home? Jesus knows that his home is with his Father in heaven, but he has come to this earth to make a home here so that Andrew and others who would follow him can have a home in heaven. In my Father's house, there are many rooms he says. When asked, where are you staying? Do you notice that even though we, we do know that they did stay somewhere and that Jesus showed him, Jesus doesn't give a direction or a destination. He simply says, come and see. Why? Because he's not introducing Andrew to a place, 
he's introducing Andrew to a person, his father in heaven. Something that he has given all of us the right to do, the right to become children of God, not by natural descent or a husband's will, as it says, but by faith in him and who he is, by God's grace. The other thing that needs to be factored into Jesus' answer is that um, not only has he left his home and made a home here, Jesus doesn't actually have a home at this point, we think. So not only was he not born in his hometown and had to leave his home country in his early childhood, he was then kicked out of his hometown when he preached in his home synagogue. And he said of himself, the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. So wherever he was staying that night, it's probable that either then, or indeed at a later date, it wasn't actually a home in the same way that we might think of a home. So that adds a whole extra dynamic to how Jesus responds to Andrew and what he's inviting him into. So that's the second perspective, Jesus. Then what about you and me as 2,000 years on, we look at that conversation? Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't start my questioning of Jesus with, where are you staying? I came to him with different questions. And I suspect you didn't start with that question either. But if you know and love Jesus you know this truth that Jesus invites us to come home. To come home to relationship with him and his Father. When you pray, when you meet with other Christians, when you serve his kingdom, you will feel that sense of home, that deep sense of belonging. And so we look on at this conversation and we think, well, I'm, I don't have the same questions as Andrew and I can't quite understand everything that's going on for Jesus, but I know that somehow my story is involved in this. I can connect with this because I want to be with him just as Andrew wanted to be with him. And so he says to Andrew, just as he says to you and to me, come and see. And when we go, when we go to be with his people and when we want to look, we can see him and what he's doing. One of the places I think we most clearly see it is in serving his kingdom. And that's connected to the fourth perspective that I want to bring to us today, which is the world, by which John means anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Um, it's everyone else. It's not the creation. It's everyone else, everything else. And, and I want us to think about how the world looks at this conversation. And if you're honest, it doesn't really look at this conversation and isn't really interested in it. That's the first thing to say. Um, but we need to understand how the world might understand this conversation if it wanted to engage with it. Now, 
The world we live in is a broken world. It has a broken sense of home. Um, the world either doesn't, um, it either doesn't have a home it needs, or it doesn't have the home it wants. The world either doesn't have the home it needs, or doesn't have the home it wants. So um, let's deal with that first one. Doesn't have the home it needs. There are 89 million refugees in the world today. 89, that's more than the population of this country are refugees. They're not able to live in their home. We had the anniversary of the war in Ukraine um, just this last week. In the last year, seven and a half million Ukrainians have left Ukraine to go and live in other countries. That's the equivalent of the whole population of Hong Kong. Okay? So before in the, the, the war in Ukraine, we were thinking very much about the exodus of people from Hong Kong. Yeah? But actually, the, the, and, and that is a big deal. It's a massive deal, um, especially for us here with new friends. But the, the, the entire, it's the equivalent of the entire population of Hong Kong have left Ukraine in the last year. And then another 7 million people have been internally displaced within Ukraine. Okay? So that's one in three people who are Ukrainians who are not living in their home right now. So just look along your, where you are. I mean, that would imagine if the, if the same thing happened to us, that would mean one in every three of us would not be where we are now in a year's time. So, and then you, so there's, uh, if you add to that, so I'm just going to throw some more statistics out. 200,000 people have left Hong Kong in the last, in 2021 and 2022. That's huge. 200,000 people. Um, then, if that weren't enough, one and a half million people were made homeless by the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria just this month. And that's before we even get to the 270,000 people who are homeless in this country. So the, the world, the bigger picture of the world is a world where home is something that people need and don't have. Yeah? Home is a place that they need but don't have. But then, I, I don't know about you, I don't have as much time for it now as I used to, but daytime television seems to be riddled with programs about people buying and selling homes um, and where they can move. Um, so the rest of the world seems um, to not need homes in the same way, um, but um, uh, is thinking about the home that it doesn't have but it wants. And you may even fall into that category at times, thinking about the home that you don't need, but the home that you want. So home, home is a big deal. It's not something we talk about, but it is a big deal. And so the, the culture um, of Western Europe, which is thinking about buying and selling and renting homes, doing everything that it can to make homes, um, also has this fragility to it. Uh, um, it's only a bad decision or a diagnosis away from that home not being the dream that it wants it to be. But most people in the world are not asking Jesus, where are you? Where are you staying? But God says to that world, come home. He says, come home. 
It's what he says to me, and it's what he says to you. Um, this morning, I sent a message to my friend, Dom, and I said, morning, Dom. Um, I'm preaching this morning, and I wanted to let you know that I'm going to tell a story about when we were at university together. And it was um, early 1998, and I was feeling really homesick, and I didn't know what to do. Um, the only thing, thing I could think to do was, to, is, was where to go. And so I walked down one flight of stairs, and I knocked on my friend Dom's door. And he answered his door, and um, I just burst out crying. And he gave me a massive hug and welcomed me into his room. I can't really remember what happened next. But I messaged him to say, um, it was only after that that I realized that his mum had died um, about a year earlier. And um, six months after that, six months before this moment, um, he had become a Christian. And, and at that time, I didn't really know God, but I knew he had something that I needed. And in my message in this morning, I thanked him for the fact that he, he was a signpost on my journey home. He was a signpost on my journey home. He helped me to see that there was somebody who was saying to me, James, come home. Come home. And I'm really grateful for him. I want to be like Dom. And I know that many of you are already like Dom. And I know that most of you have people like Dom in your history, people who have signposted to you what it means to come home. I believe that the world around us is being shaken. It's almost three years since Charles spoke here, just before the pandemic, and he said that he believed that God is shaking the nations. And boy, have we seen that to be true. And he's shaking the foundations of our lives, and he will use disruption to call people back into relationship with himself. That is what he does when people get too comfortable. He will use disruption to call us back. So if you're experiencing disruption now, then that is him calling you deeper into relationship with him. If you're not, get ready to change church buildings. Um, and Because we're all going to experience disruption. And in that, him calling us into a deeper relationship with him. But the world around us, this fourth perspective that isn't interested in this conversation, as disruption comes to it, it suddenly begins to ask questions. And it may not ask the question, where are you staying? But we can be there ready, being signposts, saying, come home. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that um, you said, come and see. And we pray that you would help us to be signposts to you in all our lives. Amen. Mm -hmm.